Welcome back to the Mountain People podcast with me, your host, Andy Cave. This is a taste of what's ahead. Really not liking falling off has definitely helped me get up some hard stuff where really fight to get up some hard stuff because I really think it probably enters a different level of fight, which is a good thing, I think. I, I, since I started climbing with Greg, I fall off quite a lot, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a new route like that on the bend that's so uncharacteristic for Scotland as well was really, really special. I know we get ice in Scotland, but we don't get 30 meter free hanging curtains in Scotland very often, if ever. In the world of Scottish winter climbing exploration, Greg Boswell and Guy Robertson need no introduction as they continually push the boundaries, finding big, bold first ascents, season upon season. Some of their ascents are documented in Alistair Lee's powerful and beautifully shot film, Ephemeral. I caught up with them to chat about the challenges of making a Scottish winter climbing film. I also wanted to know how they train and what's the secret to finding good conditions and what makes their partnership endure. I asked Greg, what's his attitude to falling off when winter climbing? I asked Guy, how does he balance this climbing obsession with a regular job and a family life? What's most inspiring and impressive is that these desperate ascents are made ground up with very little prior knowledge. It's true exploration. Hey guys, brilliant. Thanks for joining us. Are you both up in Aberdeen? Is that where you're both, is that where you're both based? Uh, Aberdeen, sure, now. But uh, guys in Aberdeen, and I'm on the outskirts. Just now. Right. So. Yeah, I, so I've do never you... escaped. Yeah. <laughs> You've never escaped. <laughs> Not permanently, anyway. No. <laughs> so obviously, based in Aberdeen in the northeast of Scotland, you've obviously got stuff relatively on your doorstep. Uh, good winter climbing, but I presume there's a fair bit of travelling as well. Or how is it as a location? Well, I'll let Guy answer that because I've only lived here for about three weeks, so. <laughs> Yeah, no. This is this is the, this is the first time that Greg and I have been in located and living in close proximity during a winter season. So we've got high expectations, haven't we, Greg? Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be pretty good. I'm look I'm looking forward to not getting a text at like five o'clock on a Friday when I'm living in Peebles, which is considerably further than Guy from the mountains, saying lets me up in three hours somewhere. <laughs> Aberdeen's pretty good Andy I mean it's 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 definitely better than the central belt for the the likes of the northwest and sky and places like that so it's it's kind of generally about it's about three and a half hours to everywhere from Aberdeen which is you know pretty good um whereas if you know if you're down in um the central belt or, or even further south as Greg was it's like I guess it's more like five hours up to the northwest, isn't it? And that's where a lot of the best climbing is. So, um, yeah, it's good. And like you say, you've got Loch Nagar and the Duloch, and the Northern Cairngorms are only you know a couple of hours or, or less than a couple of hours in the case of Loch Nagar and the Duloch. So it's, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty optimal. It's not as good as Inverness. Inverness is probably the the epicenter, <laughs> but no, none of us are based up there. And, um, I guess you've yeah. got to go. You've got to be based to some extent where work is and things like that. I suppose and exactly and, uh, or children in my yeah, case. Sure. Yeah. So, guy, let's start with you. Are you is, is that your hometown? I mean, it, uh, well, first of all, is it hometown? Whereabouts in Scotland are you from? And how? When did you get into winter climbing? Uh, you know, yeah. No, Aberdeen is my hometown. I'm um, born and bred, pedigree Aberdonian. Um, I didn't actually start winter climbing until I went to Edinburgh to study. 
Um, and in my, I think, second year at university, uh, in fact, most of my time at university, I shared a flat with a guy called uh, Fred Brown. And his his dad was actually a, um, quite a keen, and I think at the time, in the sort of 50s, a fairly well-known Lakeland climber known as Doc Brown. And uh, he had a whole bunch of um, kit in his, his attic that Fred, Fred raided um, one weekend when he was home in Aberdeen and suggested that we might want to go and go and try climbing so we sort of went out with a couple of uh, hickory shafts and ice axes and some old steel uh, carabiners um, and absolutely zero knowledge and experience. Um, you survived? We, we were really lucky we survived yeah <laughs> we, did, we didn't get a didn't get a whole lot of routes done we spent a lot of time sort of roaming around with really heavy rucksacks and uh, getting drunk in bothies and generally wondering <laughs> when we were going to do any climbing but we sort of yeah we managed to probably in like two or three seasons work our way up to like a couple of grade threes and fours and then we yeah eventually we got kind of on to some of the classic fives and things but it took a long time took lots of painful um experience but i think that's i think that's quite a good way to to learn really yeah, Greg, what about you? How did you get into it? Did you start in a similar way? or? Uh, no, I, I kind of got into winter climbing through... I worked at Ratho, the climbing centre, or EICA, as it's now known. Um, and I was really lucky that there was uh, loads of instructors there that were really into winter climbing. Um, so I had probably a safer upbringing into the winter climbing scene than maybe a guy did, because I was just going out with people who were pretty knowledgeable the whole time. And that's maybe how... I like went towards winter climbing a bit more because I was going out with people that had already had all the, the crap days and they learned what to do to not suffer maybe. And they kind of showed me the way. So it was all sunshine and rainbows for me. And then I realized that Scotland does deliver some pretty <laughs> minging weather as well as the good days. And um, when did you, yeah, from... Sorry. I was just going to say, when did you get into the new routing thing or when did you get like more serious train um... and training and things like that? It's probably round about when I met Guy, and I, I kind of met Guy through Ian Parnell, and they were always kind of like idols of mine, and seeing these guys go and do like new routing and really adventurous stuff really appealed to me. And then I climbed with Ian one weekend, and then he put me in touch with Guy, um, and then Guy was getting out loads with Pete McPherson at the time, um, and I just kind of wanted to go and do that. I wanted to go and like do these new routes and have this adventure, and yeah, we just kind of went out for a couple of days and gelled from there. And then that's when I really got into the new routing and then realized that if I wanted to get on anything that I liked the look of, I probably need to be quite a bit fitter than I was. So then I got really into the training part so that I didn't have to worry too much about what I was getting on. And in terms of the training, I mean, how much was known? Was it, was it, was it stuff that, I mean, Guy had passed on or were you making up as you go along or is there other people in Scotland that are training for winter climbing? What's, 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 how did that all sort of develop? For me, it was a bit of a mismatch bundle of everything. I was training for rock climbing at Ratho. I had good knowledge from friends who were personal trainers and rock climbing instructors and that kind of thing. Um, I'd researched a little bit from people like Will Gad on ice climb training. Um, and then I ended up leaving Ratho to work on a farm uh, and just did loads of grunt work on a farm and then realized that that was probably the most beneficial way for me to get fit for specific types of winter climbing was just to get like physically fit. Um, so I kind of semi-developed something from there. 
Right, and guys... You still what? simulate farm work now as part of your tra- training <laughs> yeah. regime, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't afford weights or anything, so it's just tyres and buckets of cement. <laughs> if you see a cow or something, yeah. Yeah, just flip it. <laughs> Guy, what about you? When you when you met Greg, had you, had you already, I'm presuming you'd already got a lot of new routes under your belt, you'd got a lot of lines you wanted to do. Had you started training, you were, you'd moved on from those early days with the hickory shafted ice axes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, kind kind of. Um, I, I definitely wasn't. I mean, I was probably training in the sense that I was sort of, you know, going out, going out on the the hill through the autumn, trying to do a bit of biking and putting some extra rocks in my rucksack. And and but to be honest, probably until like the early, until about Greg, I guess roughly, which is what fifteen, sixteen years ago. For me, it was more. It was more a case of you know, if you were going well through the summer. And you had a really good season rock climbing, and maybe got out to the Alps for a trip towards the end of the year for five or six weeks. That that was kind of for me pretty much the sort of ideal training for winter climbing. But I wasn't really into the the kind of continental style climbing. I've never really got into that. Um, so, and I think that's where the training comes from. You know, you have to sort of you have to train specifically for that kind of stuff. Where you just are you meaning because the there might be people listening who are not sure what we're on about, but they're basically like super steep mixed climbing. Like yes, athletic. exactly. Yeah, so With sort of M, often M quite style. good pro, yeah. Yeah, yeah, quite often bolted as well. So yeah, like, like yeah, it's a bit like head. sport climbing cave with ice axes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, One thing, yeah, I I, yeah, to... I'd never, yeah, I'd never really, never really um, done any of that, so I'd never really had the need to train for it. But when I when I when I met Greg, yeah, that kind of changed fairly, fairly rapidly. Because <laughs> um, at the time I was climbing pretty much at my limit so sort of grade nine kind of starting to think about you know whether we could climb grade 10 but but greg, greg i think when i met you you were already climbing sort of on sighting at about the sort of m8 m9 grade on on bolts so for you and i if we were going to climb harder it kind of had to get you know it had to get harder so i kind of by definition had to start training a wee bit <laughs> Nice. And what, what, one of the things I want to talk about the film, obviously, Ephemeral, uh, the Alistair Lee film, which uh, features you guys. And it's um, we'll, we'll put some links in so people can follow the link. And uh, there will be a sorry, I, I will be talking about the film quite a lot. So a bit of a spoiler alert. But when I watch that film, one of the big things um, is really insecure placements. You know, I mean, it's sort of I think that's I'm imagining as you start to get into the higher grades, it's not just the physical aspects, but sustained insecure placements where you just kind of the ice the tips of the ice axes and the, and the crampons are look very um like i don't know if you weight them slightly wrong looks like you're going to be falling off is that fair to say because uh, it's not just about the steepness is it and obviously in scotland you could be on terrain you know some of that stuff in the northwest sandstone work there's just not a lot of pro so it's it, it's the physical the technical the mental and I would imagine that I'm just thinking if I was going to even think about doing something like that, I'd, I'd have to get a lot more, a, a lot happier on really poor placement. So I'm, is there a way you can train for that, you know, off season on insecure? Uh, yeah, I think that, um, like kind of what Guy was touching on earlier with the, what's, what's known as dry tooling. So when you train almost in the summer months with your ice axes, you can, you can kind of simulate really poor placements um, in a safe sport climbing style environment or on a home wall 
Um, if you've got your own hall in your garage, you can use really small, crappy holds um, and kind of simulate that. But what I've found is you kind of get you get really used to how small a hold you can use, and then it all becomes about how one how you can keep your head together, and two, the more training you've done, if you know you know you're fit enough to hold on. So you basically just need to relax, slow everything down, um, and that's when the, the training comes in. You're not actually needing to be physically strong to do these moves because they're on really small placements that might not be super steep. But it's you need to be fit enough to know that you can just hold on and, and keep moving through the moves. Um, or because if any any wrong placement will will rip and you could fall. So yeah, it's you can you can train these things, but it's almost like an accumulative of the training helps with these poor moves. It's not like just training on bad holds will make you better at that kind of thing. That kind of climbing, like those. Not not the ice route, but the two mixed routes that we climbed in that film, they're actually quite old school, really, weren't they, Greg? They weren't, you know, what yeah, you think yeah, of yeah, as sure. sort of modern mixed climbs, you know. For, so for some of the sort of steeper, you know, well-protected, um, harder stuff, um, it's it's a kind of completely different set skill set, really, and it's a completely different tra- training regime. And I, I think the best thing for that kind of climbing is just having done loads and loads and loads of it and kind of knowing what you can get away and i guess that's what you're talking about with the training isn't it um, but really sort of just getting lots of mileage on that kind of ground and just being familiar with what to a lot of people would seem to be a non-hold actually being quite a good hold and being quite solid and learning to read the, the little seams in the crack and all that kind of stuff so it's a kind of frames of reference really the more you do it do you find both of you at yeah. the beginning of the season you need to go out and get a few roots under your belt or is it but basically there aren't that many good days or you, you're more or less like you're ready to go when that, you know, when it happens. That's a tricky one. That can be dependent on how you've spent your autumn. <laughs> like if I've, I had uh, the last place I live, I had my old uh, climbing wall and that was great. I could use like horrendous holds. It was 45 degrees. So if I spent loads of time on that, I could basically hit the ground running. Um, but it is definitely the movement on the axis does help. Or can you can feel a little rusty because it's totally different to rock climbing. The body positions and movement can be the same, but what you're pulling on and trusting things you can't see, what your axis behind you, that can feel a bit. But sometimes I feel like you just need to go and just pretend that it's the middle of the season and just go for it because it's all natural. It comes back when you've done so many seasons, it all just comes back to you naturally, even if you don't think it will. I find find the be- the benefits of. Um getting out early and doing some routes early is much more about your um your kind of general system so just sort of getting used to your clothing system again getting used to your racking system just being really sharp with placing gear you know gear that you might not necessarily be placing during the summer like peckers and hooks and all that kind of stuff and pegs and yeah it's just sort of getting your getting your eye in and getting your system together that's the benefit i really see from doing doing stuff early and making sure you get out always get out before christmas that's a Rule of thumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, fingers crossed. It's been uh, it's been pretty <laughs> tropical, hasn't it, recently? But I know, um, I know. let's talk about the film a little bit, and then we'll delve into some of the climbs. So, what was the concept with the film? Because I mean, Scottish winter climbing is hard enough. You know, like you're trying to get the conditions, the walking in, everything about it, and then it's like, oh, we'll make a film as well. You know. So, how did it come about? It was basically uh, a photo that Hamish Frost took. <laughs> um, seemed to, I think it was because um, everyone had been locked up for two years. And I did a route of Martin Moran's on Antialloc, 
called The Wailing Wall, and Hamish took a really good photo of it. And it just kind of, it, it sort of inexplicably went a bit viral. And I had like the Sunday Post and BBC Scotland and all these people phoning me up. It's just like, I was like, it's just the first route of the season, man. What are you, what are you, yeah. what are you getting so excited about? But I mean, it was a really, really nice picture. Classic, classic Frosty. Um, yeah. And I think Al Lee had seen that. And I think basically had always wanted to make a film about Scottish winter, but it never really got his shit together and, you know. What was his skill set? I know he'd done various sort of films before, sort of in <laughs> wild places, but I don't think he'd probably been in the Scottish winter environment, Addy, so you can no. tell us the truth. No, okay, I see. Well, I hear what you're saying. So <laughs> It's kind of funny because I thought, I'd seen a few films as, that he'd made with, with Leo Holding and a few other folks, and they, were, they, they really were in quite gnarly places, and I was like, oh, he's just, you know, He's a gnarly, but gnarly boy. You know, he's going to get himself in position. We, we won't have to worry about it. But now nah, he definitely, the first few times we were out, he really struggled. I don't think Greg. I don't think you were out the first couple of times. You were still in the Alps, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I was spending the winter in the van in the Alps. So he, he had emailed me to say he wanted to do the film, but I wasn't mm-hmm. there and to all be, the time. To be fair, he's very open in the film. In the film as well, of like you know, he was like, "Wow, what have I got myself into here?" I mean, not not just the conditions, everything about it, but then just failing to get into the right position. So the climbers around the corner and all this, so it, it kind of helps the film, I think, in being really open about that kind of slightly shambolic start before he kind of gets into it. Yeah. I was just trying to hide from him. That's all that's going on there. Right? Oh, I see. Right, yeah. <laughs> Wind him up. I'm only and, joking. Yeah. No, but so, the other thing that, challenge for all of you and, and Alistair was that it, it was a tough winter wasn't it in terms of conditions it wasn't like a you know sometimes we have these brilliant winters it looked a bit stop start is that fair to say yeah for sure I mean that's what kind of one of the reasons I wasn't in Scotland <laughs> um I I was in the Alps for three months and even over there it wasn't great but there's always ice to climb in the Alps if you weren't to drive but um yeah it was pretty grim in Scotland and it's kind of weird that how bad the weather was made such crazy mm. cool routes that have never or have hardly ever formed um it's almost like yeah they were someone was playing cards and <laughs> they got lucky at the end kind of thing well, i'd like to get into the routes as well that, that, that you cover because they're all they're quite contrasting and really 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 uh amazing footage the scottish winter climate there might be people listening who are you know from other countries or whatever i mean you know it, it's the film is called ephemeral i mean it it is a little bit like that, isn't it? You know, a dark art of trying to pick the right day, I would imagine, for the sort of lines that you guys are interested in doing, really pushing the, the boundaries. I mean, how does it work? Lots of communication, checking sites. Do you have spies on the ground? How do you how do you kind of make it happen? You're not going to tell me. It's pretty much from now, as in I was looking at the weather forecast today, from this time of the year onwards, you just forever looking at the forecast forever trying to not make plans with anyone to do anything because you want to be able to just drop everything and go whenever whenever it's good there's some good webcams around now in scotland if you know where to look um loads of forecasts and you basically just have to listen to everything guy says because he pretty much gets it right <laughs> he's he's a wizard you got some yeah, piece of software you're putting data into, guys. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, yeah. the, the Greg Greg's point there about web, you know webcams thing like, is way way easier now than it was you know like I don't know eight, eight or nine years, ten years ago. 
Um, there's all sorts of forums where people are sharing information. But in some, yeah, in some in some ways it makes it easier. Um, but at the same time, in other ways, I think it sort of tends to it can make you a bit blinkered. You know, if somebody does a route a really good route somewhere and conditions are good, you, you might you know there's a tendency to get sucked into that. Um, whereas really you should be kind of trying to to be as you know as sort of objective as you can. And, um, I, but but I've, got, I've, just... I've got I've got moles for sure. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and there's just so much more information nowadays, like with like uh, social media, like everyone on Instagram puts exactly. on, if they go out in the hills, they're going to even whilst they're out on the hill or when they get back, they'll post a photo of it or a store how, or something. How competitive is it? I mean, are there other, you know, the competing teams for these big lines or are you got to the stage now where you, you, you guys are climbing? I don't know. What's the top grade in Scotland now? I think it's. If, I think it's supposedly twelve, but I don't right. think there's a great supposedly twelve. I like it. I like it. There's okay, two routes right. at grade twelve. One of them's mine, and one of them's David McLeod's. <laughs> but in theory, it's eleven. And then okay, but anyway, you know. So, but how many? How many folk realistically are in the market for? So let's say grade nine and above new routes. It I think must you'd be a be small su- number. It is a small amount, but you'd be surprised at how many of people are coming through now it's, it's it's almost a good thing to say i'm i don't feel very competitive like if i had a, a an open project that i told someone about and they went and did it i'd be a bit annoyed but there's just there is so many routes that everyone knows of folk will go and climb some new grade nine that i didn't even knew existed to the crack and then we'll do something and every, yeah it's a pretty good atmosphere at the moment i think that whole competitive running to the crag thing's almost semi going out the window now which i think is a good thing but yeah. Mm. Yeah. Guy mm. <laughs> yeah, might not agree. <laughs> yeah. But I don't tell. I, mean, I, I think, yeah, no, I, think I think that the sort of you know the 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 sort of you know highly competitive and almost slightly um, you know kind of I don't know that the sort of you know the, the back in the eighties and the nineties when people were vying for first ascent, not just in winter but in summer as well kind of got a bit nasty i think on occasions didn't it but i don't think that would happen now would it greg it is generally sort of friendly yeah. competition but there is there's definitely still a bit of and yeah, I know that i'm just thinking of um you know in many spheres of climbing women are, are, like excelling you know competitions bouldering whether scottish winter climbing is it a much smaller scene for women other women out there that are transitioning or what would you say i think in scotland it's uh yeah, it's smaller. Um, it's definitely a smaller scene, but there is not so much maybe pushing to try new route grade tens, but there there is quite a good scene, probably bigger than most people would think of when you actually start putting the feelers out. Um, I can't learn that a little bit more from Hamish this year doing requests for photo shoots, and he would just put the feelers out, and it's amazing how many more people you get back and you you start to hear about. There is it is a quite a good healthy scene, which is a, is a really good thing and. It's almost annoying that you don't really hear about it as much because it should be maybe. But yeah, it's, a bit it's, a, it's an interesting question, Andy. And I, I, um, I've obviously you know probably know I've published a few books on Scottish climbing and mountaineering, and I've always um, been quite keen to try and get well both the the, the two books I've done, the Great Mountain Crags of Scotland and then the Sea Cliffs of Scotland, have been a real effort to try and get as many female contributors um, to both those books. Um, and I'm about to do another one um, in the next year or so on, on mixed climbing, winter climbing. Um, and it's actually been, I would say, slightly easier 
getting female contributors um, to the mixed climbing book than it has been to the the first couple of books. And I actually, I, I don't know. I think in in a sense, there's probably more uh, active female winter climbers or, or active female climbers operating that you know towards the upper end of the scale in winter than there is in summer. I'd like to say. Because um, right, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, yeah, I think it's all it's the the thing that limits people getting into winter climbing, new, new routing, is it's basically you know it's on site, ground up trad, isn't it? And it, you know, if you ask yourself the same question that you asked us a few minutes ago about, is you know, how many people are there doing hard ground up ascents? Well, how many people are doing hard ground up ascents of rock routes in summer? <laughs> Not very many, really, nowadays. It's all um, the head pointing thing, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. So I on think that it was front much, then, sorry. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say so on your routes, are you tended is it often on site? Like you've not prepped them in summer or how does that work? The hard winter much, routes. Pretty much pretty always. Much. Yeah. yeah. I think I've only yeah. abseiled down one route and we didn't get anywhere close to it. We abseiled down because we're really bad at yeah. it. <laughs> so Yeah. It was too Brilliant. steep as well. Let's, <laughs> Let's get into the film because I absolutely love love the film. You know, fifty five minutes of sort of uh, you know armchair mountaineer stuff and the opening scene, which I think is straight into Ancelic and the music. I mean, it's it, it's awesome and um, you know a lot of graft from the climbers and the filmmakers. The first route, well, I mean, there's various routes. It, it starts on uh, Ancelic and it doesn't quite work out, I think, and then it, you you go off to church door buttress is that right or there's certainly a big sequence on church door buttress in glencoe which is is that the highest crag in glencoe i think it is isn't it and yeah yeah and and it, it, it tell us about that day because it looked really minging weather at the start you weren't selling it it looked really cold yeah. and windy i could see there were good winter conditions but i would imagine oh, a lot of teams getting there thinking yeah not bothering with that but obviously yeah. the route you wanted to do was in condition. So is that what you thought, well, this is the day? Just well, we weren't meant it. to be at we weren't meant to be at church so much, just to be fair. We were uh, the plan was uh the buckle, was it? Is that right? Yeah, I think it was yeah, we were gonna yeah. go so snowy, the buckle. wasn't it the night before? The night before it was like crashy car snowy and we woke up in the morning and it was yeah, go for a oh, swim me. sauna. Yeah, it was uh, uh, really, really warm. So we knew we had to go high and we were already in the co. So we just took the risk and just went for a walk. We thought we were taking our gear for a walk. Um, and it wasn't, and the plan was not to go do that route. It wasn't until we got to the bottom of that crag and saw that big lump of ice and the crag was in condition that we knew of the route. It wasn't that we didn't know of it, but um, it was just see what we could get on. Um, and it happened to be pretty good. <laughs> And I mean, we were, we were we were literally maybe fifty yards from the cliff, and we were still thinking that we weren't going to get any climbing done, weren't we? It was just a non-starter, really. It wasn't so we were literally sort of you know within touching distance of the rock that we looked up. And yeah. Thought, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It's quite an unusual route that one, isn't it? Because it 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 starts typical mixed, and then you're heading out to a piece of ice. It it looked quite bold was it or was that just standard for you guys looked i think when you're kind of new routing so like first ascending summer lines at that level yeah you kind of it's, it's kind of standard that it wasn't super bold it was gear some of it was hard one because the uh, the cracks might have been frozen but it never felt like this is crazy bold like some of the other things we've been on 
Um, probably made bolder because I accidentally ripped the kit out because uh, at one point made crooks. I think the bold bit was was sort of above the belay as well, wasn't it? Actually, yeah. the bit that yeah, was, yeah. was within the film. Yeah. Is yeah. falling? I mean, for both of you, I mean, is 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 falling an option, or just when you winter climbing, <laughs> or does that just depend on the route? Really, I mean, it depends on. I mean, how do you approach I, since it? Since I started climbing with Greg, I fall off quite a lot, Andy. Okay. <laughs> um, I think we tried pretty hard not to fall. I, I would, I would, yeah, I can't remember how many. I, have, I don't fall off that much in winter, and that's not trying to be big-headed. That's because I try really hard not to fall off. I'd rather sit on the kit than fall off. Um, but, the, yeah, you can you can fall. Some of the steeper things we were getting on these days, you can fall off. I know everyone says, oh, you never fall off on ice climbing, never fall off winter climbing. Um, I've taken some pretty big whippers winter climbing, ice and mix climbing, um, touch wood. I've always got away with it. But it does help that the stuff we're climbing most of the time these days is a bit steeper. So you you can you're not going to rattle your crampons down the slab and break your ankle. Definitely. That's, that's what I was that's what's going through my mind. I'm thinking have these guys got some sort of strategy, you know, kind of like <laughs> try and go head first, yeah. <laughs> I just, it's interesting because like you've always been like ever since I remember the first few times we went out Greg, you were you've always had an aversion like you definitely don't want to fall off. Um, and I've seen you like climb back down some quite hard ground and say, nah, I'm not up for that and hand over the lead. Whereas I would have just been like, wee, you know, take, taking the fall, <laughs> yeah. um, which is probably a really good, you know, it's probably a really good, um, but it is obviously a really good trait to have because, I mean, you are, because it is what it is, it's ground up on site. You are obviously always trying to get the on site. That's kind of the, the sort of prize, isn't it? Um, so you kind of want to be in that mindset. But yeah, I've always noticed that. I, I, I yeah. fall fall off quite a lot though in winter i can't say i haven't fallen off quite a lot i think it's almost been a good thing for me obviously no one wants to fall off you want to always want to try hard but really not liking falling off has definitely helped me mm-hmm. get up some hard stuff where and really fight to get up some yeah, hard stuff yeah, so yeah, really definitely. it probably enters a different level of fight which is a good thing i think mm-hmm. that leads nicely onto the the other route that 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 um that you that you film uh, document is is the um, the fear factory the the ice line on the bend which I know it's something that a lot of people have talked about that line isn't it over the years right up on the left hand side of the bend kind of hard to see it um, tell us a little bit about that was that something you'd known about for years guy even before you met Greg was it one of those yeah I'd sort of know, I'd known about it but I I kind of had it in my head that that Dave. Dave McLeod, that is, had had climbed it. I didn't. I didn't really get the you know the scale of what ha- what hadn't been climbed. If you know what I mean. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until Greg. I think you obviously had had a better awareness of it, Greg. You're a bit closer to the bend than I am. And some yeah. Sent me a picture, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, Steve Holmes, had um, sent me a photo and said, and I kind of same as Guy. I I didn't really like you said. It's hard to see that route, and you don't really go around there unless you're doing the CMD arret and um i didn't really know where it was but i kind of thought that feature had been climbed and when steve sent me this message to say he was guiding the day before and he'd seen this ice fall and it hadn't been climbed i had did a bit more research and realized that the main ice the main ice feature hadn't actually had a full free ascent and it was further right um and it was quite a distinctive apparently every year these two very two distinctive ice features form one forms bigger than the other one each year and that's it's the right-hand one that David climbed, and he's climbed a mixed line onto it. Um, so, yeah, it did kind of feel like that's what 
well not it was a really nice roof anyway but it definitely drew us in with the fact that it is this big feature that people have been waiting to be able to climb fully on ice from from the ground to the top even if you do have to step into the void to do it and you, you mentioned greg in, in in the film that um the band's your favorite mountain i mean it's a special place for climbers isn't it scotland's highest mountain there's a lot of history there uh, which comes out in the film as well sort of rayburn and all those early ascents and the sort of point five is there does it feel extra special doing a new route on the bend yeah for sure i mean every route i climb on the bend feels special every day i have in the bend feels special it's just such a cool mountain and the surrounding views and i don't know i just really do feel like there's a some sort of magic surrounds that mountain that really draws you in, especially in winter. But yeah, doing a new route like that on the bend that's so um, uncharacteristic for Scotland as well was really, really special. I know we get ice in Scotland, but we don't get 30 meter free hanging curtains in Scotland very yeah, often. Just to, if the, ever. <laughs> yeah, just to describe it, people listening, and this is a sort of a yeah, hanging kind of Roman candle that's unsupported at the bottom. And so I guess the challenge, as well as the physical challenge, is just like, is this thing going to fall down? Uh, and so I'm going to imagine guys at the bottom B lane, he doesn't want to, it to land on his head. And it's it's a team thing. He's shouting up encouragement. I mean, it, it looks, uh, and when you're putting your ice axes in, I would imagine that you kind of want to get the ice axes in as far as possible. But on the other hand, you don't want to smack it too much in case the whole thing just falls down. Is that is that the deal? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the biggest thing for me, I've done loads of ice climbing over the years, abroad, Canada, France, all over the world. And the biggest issue for me was this is Scotland and none of the rules apply here because mm. we don't get the minus 30 conditions that make things stable. We don't get the constant weather patterns that make you be, you be able to decide whether this thing is okay to climb. This is Scotland that had been like plus five, 10 minutes ago and the sun was on it. And this thing's never formed before for a reason. Um, so it's it's a massive gamble because all your knowledge of ice isn't always usable in this in this scenario. Um, but the closer I got to it, like literally climbing up the ice below it to the big feature, I was able to use the judgment and and like hope that I'd made the right decision. But yeah, you've always got that point where you just you can't hit these things too hard because I've been on ice routes. And seeing the friends who have been on ice routes way, way stronger than that that have come down and they've managed to walk away, but it's it's the biggest gamble ever. So yeah, you need to just be, and you can never be hundred percent sure. But if it means tapping your axes a little bit less, then I'm going to do it. <laughs> it was also a bit of an education seeing just how gentle you were, Greg. Um, like I've, yeah, like you were so gentle. It was really quite, yeah, it was quite striking. And yeah, I probably wouldn't have been quite as gentle as that. So it's, <laughs> it's probably just as well you you went up there first. Yeah. And was yeah, that it's... route? I was just going to say, was that route? Did it? Did was it the next day? Had it gone? Was it one of those kind of routes? Literally? No, 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 no. Um, no, I no. I was living in the van in the area for the rest of the winter, and I was regularly twice a week. I'd run up the sea and Deerette and just watched it it never broke off it just just shrunk oh. it just got dramatically wow. smaller even in the higher temperatures it was pretty impressive and that's with the, uh, with hamish having climbed down he's quite yeah, quite that's sturdy it. with the sights axis excellent the 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 film comes back to uh and and wailing wall 
and I must admit that it's uh, I've never been up and Chalak, I've not even walked up it so it's a massive gap uh, in my CV I've driven under it and I, I'd, I would love to you know ski some of the gullies or climb up there or just I mean it just looks absolutely amazing so tell us what's special about Anchalak I mean first of all it's a bit kind of out there isn't it in terms of to get to it's notorious I mean a lot of hill walkers get into trouble on it um which side of the mountain is Wailing Wall on what's the walking like and I believe on one of I think on one of the times you filmed don't you approach it and it's there's some avalanche danger so you sack it off and come back trying to get my bearings yeah so it's 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 not as it's not as out there and as weird as you would think in fact i think it's in my head now it's kind of i think of it as almost like the northern quarries of the of the northwest um is it close to the road is it that is it that so do you know it's still it's still a fairly sort of stiff walk in it's probably like two and a half hours realistically by the time you get up to the up to the cliff but it's very high it's up over a thousand meters which for the northwest is quite unusual there's not that many places that are that are at that altitude certainly not that you can get um really hard mixed climbing ben e is really the only other place and it's become quite quite popular um it, it's got this really weird um approach through a rhododendron forest which <laughs> just a bit it's a bit like going through a portal into some sort Chris of shaking his head <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's some the, sort of other dimension is, no matter how many times you do it you're going to get lost on the way down a hundred percent it's weird i bet that's yeah. great with loads of static ropes and cameras and stuff <laughs> yeah, like that exactly so I, I guess on you know on first acquaintances you could you could easily be put off by the place and just spend you know like an hour and a half walking about in a bush in the dark not really getting any near the cliff <laughs> but once you once you know where you're going um it's okay and the, the actual climbing is um there's there's not really that much in the way of ice up there there's bits and bobs but it's it's not it's there's lots of steep rock there's no rock climbs it's really dirty and vegetated and wet so it's really quick to come into condition and it's that sort of classic you know scottish just snowed up rock and turf and and, and dirty cracks it's kind of perfect perfect for mixed climbing really um, and, and Martin Moran, sadly no longer with us, a bit of a legend. Obviously, he'd done the Wailing Wall, and this was another line you spotted that you called the Reckoning. Is that right? And what's that? Um, is that a couple of pictures? Yeah, I mean, Guy had climbed the Wailing Wall earlier in the season. I think it's not in the film, mm -hmm. but just kind of what made the film happen. Um, and he had noticed that. If you went down, the way the wall kind of veers off left. Um, but if you go direct straight up this face, um, it's a two becomes two very big pictures, um, quite sustained. Um, but yeah, it's just such it's such a winter plum only line. It's just like it's just calling you to go climbing. And then even the second picture, guy led is like through this crazy gargoyle wall with big lumps sticking out of it, and it just is really cool. It's a really cool mm. feature and a cool piece of rock. And we'd actually climbed. Uh, one or two routes to the right. We've done at least another one route. One to the right, one to the left. Yeah. Yeah, called the Forge. Um, that goes up the centre of the wall. Um, and we kind of knew that that was a wild ride as well. So we we kind of knew that this thing was going to be just as good, if not better. Excellent. Yeah. And what's the pro like on that kind of? Because I know some sandstone in some of the northwest can be. It like looks like you're going to get protection, and when you get there, you get faff all, and it's quite harrowing. <laughs> was it a bit like that, or was What's the scene? It's pretty it's fairly gooey. It's not like it's not. It's not. You know. It's not. 
is it dangerous, Greg? I don't know. There's sort of dangerous bits yeah. on it, maybe, but yeah, I think it, it it was just a bit like you said. It looked Committing. it was a crack. You're following like a crack line, so it looked like you'd be fine. You would just keep going, and it would uh, it would get the gear. Then the gear would be as good as you thought it was, or it's harder to place and than you thought it was going to be. So yeah, it was good enough. You but you yeah maybe if it, you wouldn't want to take a massive whip onto it, like zip the crag. But... And some of these some but, of these pictures that you guys lead, I was just thinking that you could be not not just in the film, but on some of the, the even harder things that you've done. What's the longest that Greg or guys been out there on the sharp end leading? Two hours, might, three hours? It might be the route to the right of that, is it? It could be, yeah. It took me four hours to lead the, the pitch to the right of that. Yeah, so. and I think, I think I actually got, um, I don't know if I have it here, but I think I actually got, when I got back after that route, I got presented with an award um, from the... the uh, the local climbing community in Aberdeen. It was uh, a little, a little chunk of wood with a with a belay plate stuck to it, and it had you know twenty 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 written on it, whenever it was, and it was the the belayer of the year award. In 2019. How do you how do you keep sane and warm when you stood there for that long? Because I know what it's like mixed climbing. I mean, it's it's it's. Do you do you do you, do you uh, secretly you say things like Greg? For F's sake, come on. No, I, I, yeah, or, I don't, I don't you, make any you... secret about it at all. Just <laughs> shout off into the murk. But you're so like you're so engaged when you're leading something like that that people could be shouting yeah. all sorts of things that you, you wouldn't hear any of it probably. Yeah. <laughs> you were pretty engaged you... that day, I think, right, yeah. from memory. Yeah, for sure. And then once you've stopped belaying, you've got to suddenly oh, be on God, it and start yeah. climbing. Yeah, you must be yeah. so cold. Yeah, and actually, that I, I remember that day just just about when you got to Pele, the weather just went absolutely like ballistic. It was yeah, you could barely look up. It was, and not only do you have to second after you've Pele for four hours, but then once you get to the Pele, you've then got to lead as well. Place. So it's not like you're you've got to warm up on some grade ten after four hours of standing in a blizzard and then try and so it turns out. I'm trying to think of tips that we can pass on for people that are... Don't uh, do it. <laughs> Go to the beach. <laughs> Clothing-wise, I mean, you presumably a, a nice big comfy jacket, a belay jacket over the top of your shell is pretty essential. Massive gloves, is that the scene? Yeah, and Pete, Pete Benson, um, a guy I used to climb with a lot, notoriously, and uh, came up with the Rupert Bear trousers. Um, a big, big, thick pair of, like... Uh, you know, synthetic insulated trousers. If you know you're going to be bailing for for more than a couple of hours, that's a really good idea as well. And hand warmers, I always take now to keep the hands. Yeah, full. for sure. I'm a I'm a big advocate of the down pants or the down shorts. Mm. It just yeah. makes it it makes a huge difference when you're bailing if you've got your legs or even to your knees covered in synthetic yeah. down or something. Would you take them off before you start climbing so they're just onto the bee lane? Or it depends how cold it is. Depends on what star you're going for. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. usually you would you'd take them off. But I mean, in Canada, I would climb with them on because it can yeah. be that cold sometimes. But And, and uh, hand warmers, are they like down the down the back of your gloves just to try and keep your hands warm while you're bee laying it? Or would you use those when you're leading as well? Yeah, Again, I just... Depends. I, I personally just use them for bee laying and for second thing as well. So I'll have a pair of gloves with hand warmers in them that are dry i mean I, but i'll take i don't know about you greg but i'll take pretty much gloves for every pitch so if it's an eight pitch route i'll be in theory taking eight pitch pairs of gloves with me because just having yeah. having a dry pair of gloves is everything really when you're winter climbing i don't think you can have too many pairs of gloves really 
Uh, yeah, it's 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 a fully personal preference because mm. I'm kind of the opposite. But I mm. very rarely suffer from cold hands. Like I would never take hand warmers with me. Um, I take one pair of belays slash warmer gloves, and then just my main thing is making sure I've got gloves where I can climb hard in. So I'll take yeah. a couple of pairs of dry leading gloves, but um, I'll quite often belay without my gloves on because it's just personal preference. I think it just depends on how your body operates. And in terms of people who might be thinking they want to get into mixed climbing or maybe push the grade a bit, I'm thinking of good places to start. I'm thinking is the, the Northern Corries or Lot Nagar. Where, where's a place where the, where you can sort of push it a bit and maybe the kit's not too bad? People might be listening, thinking about that. Yeah, I think I think the I mean the obvious places in Northern Corries is where everyone goes. It's popular. Um, there's loads of information about the routes um, and there's loads to go at and there's loads of different styles um, to kind of push your, to push your grade. Um, either that or places like um, Stop Corey and Lochen in Glencoe. That's got loads of varied routes at varied grades. Uh, yeah, fairly, there's good protection. It's fairly uh, safe place to climb. The Ben as well. The Ben is quite good. There's um, higher up on the Ben, um, number three gully, but just you're looking for places where you can get on things at certain grades and then kind of get used to that style. And then there is other things in the surrounding area where you could then push your grade a bit more. Um, would have a similar style would just be harder. Whereas if you went and climbed a grade five in the Cairngorms and then thought, right, I'm going to go climb a grade seven on the bend, it could be completely different or vice versa. You could get a bit of a shock to the system. And of course, there's all the other skills, isn't there? Just sort of sometimes getting up that relatively lower angled slope to the base of it and avalanche and all that so people but now with Scott, scottish avalanche information service and uh i guess sort of just build up your knowledge slowly i guess that's the the secret and if you do make mistakes or have little mishaps learn quickly i guess yeah, yeah just, for sure. just get try just get i think as well just get mileage in and you know try and try and go to different places and don't yeah, don't necessarily try and climb hard all the time. And I've, I've taken loads of people out, some quite, well, some extremely talented, well-known, you know, rock climbers. And I don't think they really credit the importance of just being able to move around on snow comfortably with crampons and being able to stop yourself with an ice axe and being able to deal with all your gear getting all fankled and, you know, getting cold and wet, all that stuff. You know, the, the more that you put all that to one side, the more the easier it is to concentrate on what you're actually there to do whereas if if all that's really doing your head in you've got absolutely no chance of getting up your route really have you <laughs> yeah no it makes sense what about a desert island your desert island crags desert island routes the things you're most proud of sort of thing because there are so i know we talked about the bend but what, what? Greg? that's a tricky one that is a tricky one um or it's a bit of a journalist question isn't it i just think it is this some is this your place that you think or a place that you think yeah it'd be great to get back there. Um, I think yeah, probably Anchet looks pretty good. That that whaling wall area when we did the forge straight up the middle that is that is some line and obviously I was saying earlier it took a lot of effort to get up it. Um, it kind of ticks all the boxes, but in ten minutes I'll probably think of another route that I love just as much. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, the next one. <laughs> it's it's such about, a hard, it's just such a hard question. What about you, guy? I really like uh, Ben Van. I like the 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 Giants Wall and Ben Van. It's just so kind of it's winter only. It's really really big. You know, it's like seven or eight pitches. 
It's really steep. Um, it's really complex as well. There's no like I, I quite like the whole you know trying to piece a route together thing. I do like a, a really obvious powerful line, but I probably prefer the more kind of intricate stuff. And yeah, I remember when I um, finally did the the God Delusion up in the middle of that, I spent ages studying, you know, taking high res photographs and studying them and trying to a bit. That's kind of like mountaineering, I suppose, isn't it? As well as yeah. as much as it is the actual climbing. And you managing to still get out despite being a family man guy? Yeah. 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 No, I've been pretty lucky. I've, I've spent most of the last. Uh, sort of decade and more working four days a week, so I get quite a bit of flexibility. So I'm usually I can always get a. I'm quite limited in when I get out, but I can always get out. Um, and actually, pretty much for the whole of that that time as well. Um, Greg, you've been around, so I haven't really had to think too much about um, yeah. climbing partners, which is like you know that's half the half the battle. Andy is just having people that you know are there and you know are really keen and they've got sort of similar ideas to yourself. So, um, yeah, no. Uh, so the Great future story. is rosy. <laughs> Absolutely, but no, no filming this winter. You're just going to focus on. Uh, I don't know. I might have something in the pipeline, but <laughs> it'll be very different. We won't be waiting for the filmmaker to get his ass in the crowd. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. no, so listen, it's been brilliant to chat, and um, I hope uh, any any signs that there's a good winter. Have you been looking at the berries up on the trees, or what's what's the word on the street with the farming, Greg? Any chat to any farmers? <laughs> no, no. It does look like it's it's colder up here today than it definitely is yeah. quite cold up here today. So it looks like maybe maybe in the next ten days something's gonna happen. Always expect the unexpected, that's the sort of Yeah, for sure. We're yeah, always nice. ready anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. Cheers guys, it's been great to chat. Yeah, yeah. Have a good safe chat, winter. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, you thanks too. very much. Good to speak to you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've been your host, Andy Cave, and you've been listening to the Rab Mountain People podcast. To keep up to date and to hear more interviews like this, don't forget to subscribe 